Pray, I pray, I mean seriously and hard, I try to walk with God and ask Him what He wants for you, His people. What do you want for your people? And when I get up here and preach, it's not just some casual little eeny, meeny, miny, mo. I think I'll pick this this week. It's not that way. I want God to be in it or I don't want to be here. I'm just like you. I don't want to be here if God's not here. Moses you know, God asked Moses to do a big thing. A bunch of stubborn Jews take him out of Egypt and uh, manage him and bring him to the promised land. Wow. He knew him. And he started making excuses. I don't, I don't think I'm fit for it. I don't think I can talk. My brother's better than I am and all that sort of stuff. And God said, I want you to do it. But one thing Moses said that always stuck in my mind, he says, God, if you don't go, I'm not going. I think that's just fair, amen? If God's not going to do this with us, let's not do it. And so I always pray, Lord Jesus, come and be with me in this whole thing called the Christian life, or I'm not going to do this. I want to do it, but I won't. I don't. I sure don't want to do it by myself. And I sure know myself well enough. No, I can't do it without you. And as a as a heartfelt cry, as a Christian that needs God, I want to bring to you the the book of Philippians. Chapter 2, verses 12 through 16. There may be no more of a frustrating area of a Christian, a born-again Christian life, than how to grow in Christ. I mean, we, we, we hear the gospel. It makes sense to us. The Holy Spirit, even though we don't know him, explains it to us. He allows us to see ourselves as sinners without a Savior, in need of a Savior, because if we don't have a Savior, we're going to have to answer for our own sin. We'll be in bad shape when we face God someday. We, we get all that. And then we say yes to Jesus. We, Jesus is described as our sin bearer. He's described as the one who took all of the punishment that was due us on himself, and he bore our sins. And that old thing called the old rugged cross. And we get it. The Holy Spirit makes it focus. You get it. You have to understand that to be saved. And you realize that Jesus was sealed by the Father as by the resurrection. The resurrection has never happened to anybody else like that. And, and the Father sealed the Son that this is the Messiah that I was all the way back in Genesis chapter 3 that I was talking about. This is the one that I wanted to send. Of all those who may claim it, this is the one. So we believe that Jesus died for our sins. We believe that he was buried. We believe that he was raised again the third day for our sins. And that faith solidifies in a childlike acceptance of it. The Bible says not by works of righteousness. It's not something we do to get it. It's something we receive. You with me? The doing's been done. The receiving's all that you need to do. To as many as received him, the Bible says, to them gave me power the, the right to become the child of God. I don't deserve to be a child of God. And if you knew me much, you'd say amen. 
All those who work with me. There's great frustration after that moment of salvation in, in growing in Christ because when you get saved, you still got a lot of the old man in you. A lot of the old woman in you. A lot of the old nature in you. A lot of that tendency to sin and be anti-God is there, right? And you feel it. Prone to wander. Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Amen. And so you begin to grow in Christ and you misunderstand. You think you can be saved by faith but you think you can be sanctified by works. You're saved by faith, brother, and you're sanctified by faith. That's what this passage is going to teach us. And so Philippians chapter 2, verse 12 to 16, let's read. Wherefore, my beloved, and by the way, you are beloved. You say, nobody loves me, everybody hates me, I think I'll just eat worms. No, you're beloved. We may not like you, but God loves you. My beloved brethren, you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but also much in my absence. Praise God for that. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God that worketh in you, both to will and to do his good pleasure. Man, that's the key verse right there. Do all things without murmurings and disputings, and that you may be blameless and harmless as sons of God without rebuke in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation, nation or generation. Boy, that's where we're at, isn't it? Among whom ye shine as lights of the world. We're meant to be among them. God wants us among them to show them a better way. Holding forth the word of life, don't hide it under the bushel, that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, and I may have not run in vain, neither labored in vain. There's a little book I've recommended for a long time called The Green Letters. It's a small book. It's a man's book. Why do I know it's a man's book? It's short. Big print. Uh, I don't usually give a man a 600-page book. He looks at that like something from outer space. But I, I give a guy about 100 pages, and he even strains on that a little bit. I've had guys tell me that in their whole life they never finished a book. I mean, that's pretty sad, isn't it? No wonder we got trouble. But if you'll read, God will help you because you read the Bible first and foremost of all things. But the Green Letter is a great book, page 26. A guy by the name of Norman Dowdy says this, and I want to read the whole thing because it's profound, about Christian growth. And don't, don't come to conclusions at the first part of what I'm reading. Let, let me get all the way to the end. If I am to be like him, then God in his grace must do it. And the sooner I recognize it, the sooner I will be delivered from another form of bondage. Throw down every endeavor and say, I cannot do it. The more I try, the farther I get from his likeness. I think every Christian has lived very well and knows exactly what he said. What shall I do? Ah, the Holy Spirit says, you cannot do it. Just, just withdraw and come out of it. You've been in the arena. You've been endeavoring. You are a failure. Come out and sit down. And as you sit there, behold him. Look at him. Don't try to be like him. Just look at him. Just be occupied with him. 
Forget about trying to be like him. Instead of letting that fill in your mind and your heart, let him fill it. Just behold him. Look upon him through the word. Come to the word. That is the word of God. For, our, for one purpose, and that is to meet the Lord. Not to get your mind crammed full of things about the sacred word, but to come to it to meet the Lord. Make it to be a medium. Not a biblical scholarship, but the fellowship of Christ. Behold the Lord. End of quote. I know it's the truth that you become what you meditate on. You become what you really are occupied with. Occupy yourself with some evil and you'll become like that. Occupy yourself with some good and it'll influence you and make, make it good. You, you are what you concentrate on, what you look on, what you focus on, uh, what you center your attention on. Think about what the Bible says about this whole thought that I just ran by you. Well, in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, it says, looking unto Jesus, the author, author and finisher of our faith. Looking, and the word is a constant gaze at. Gaze at God. When you get up in the morning, begin to gaze at God. When you walk around at night like some of us old men, gaze at God. In the afternoon, Gaze at God. Look at God. In Colossians, it, it says this. It says, if you be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things which are above, not on things of the earth. Listen as the Bible weighs in on this. And Jesus said in John chapter 3, verse 14, as Moses, was lift, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. If you go back to Numbers chapter 21, verse 8, where that whole thing happened, Moses took a fiery serpent and set it on a pole, and it came to pass, the Bible says, that everyone that is bitten, there was these fiery serpents were biting him when they needed to be healed. He says, when he looketh upon this fiery serpent on a pole, he shall live. Jesus said, just like that, look on me. You're bitten by sin. You're infected by sin. You cannot heal yourself. You cannot redeem yourself. You cannot lift yourself up. You need help from the outside. And Jesus says, as that serpent was lifted up in the wilderness, so the Son of Man also must be lifted up. Look and live, my brother, live. Look to Jesus now and live. That's not the song, however. I'm not there yet. Okay. Turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full in his wonderful face, and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. He stole that from me somehow or another this week. I was a young man, probably 14, 15 years old. We had an evangelist come by. His name was Gonzalez. Oh, Gonzalez played the trumpet, by the way. Ooh, he was, played that trumpet. He used to say, when the trumpet shall sound, he said, God's put my instrument in heaven. 
he'd play Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus. I'm a 13, 14-year-old kid. You say, well, we have these revivals, and you bring your kids here. Will it make any difference? Well, I can tell you that a 65-year-old man or woman, they're going to be thinking about those revivals. I still think a lot about those times. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. That's what it's about. How are you going to grow in Christ? Make Jesus Christ your whole world. Oh, be a plumber. Be an electrician. Be a, be a contractor. Be a, be a computer guy. Be a veterinarian. Be a doctor. But your focus is still Jesus during that whole process of living. It's still upon Jesus. Be whatever you're going to be out there. Be all that you can be. It's Memorial Day weekend. But put Jesus as the center of that work. Make it the center of the world. Make him the center. Christian growth should not be as mechanical as it is often. It should never be dry. It should not simply be academic. It should not be statistical. God forbid that Christian growth should be forced. Why? Because God, by his very nature, is intimate. He's personal. He's warm. He's deep. He's relational. Philippians chapter 2, verse 12. Let's look at these, let's look at this passage a verse by verse. And let me give you a, a quick outline of some. God's process for Christian growth, I think, is laid out here so easily for us. It says, Wherefore, my beloved, as you once have, as you have obeyed, not in presence only, now much more in my absence. And the phrase I want to look at is, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. First of all, let me make a note that your, person, your growth in Christ must be personal. It's got to be personal. It's not institutional. It's not organizational. It's not I'm a Catholic. It's not I'm a Baptist. It's not I'm a Presbyterian. It's not I'm Episcopalian. It's I'm a Christian. I'm a follower of a person. Jesus Christ, my Lord. Call yourself, and Christians have been called Anabaptists. They've been called all kinds of names through the year. Don't make any difference what those tags are. I mean, nothing wrong with them to help people understand but it's about Jesus. Is your life swirling around Christ? Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. He knows that you're, how, God knows how limited we are in, in what we can do, but it makes sense that each person's salvation is unique. I work out my salvation as I walk with God in a very unique and personal, individual way. We're the, it, science tells us that we're as unique as a snowflake. They say no two snowflakes. In fact, in all their observation, they say no two snowflakes, crystals, are exactly the same. Consequently, it makes sense that my growth in Christ won't be identical to your growth in Christ. My path is going to be different than your path somewhat. Oh, there's going to be overlap. There's going to be similarities. But overall, your, your growth is a unique growth. Your experiences in life are unique. God's going to come to you having made you unique. He's going to come to you in a unique way. Work out your own, your own salvation. We're not all saved differently. We're saved through Jesus. But after we're saved, our growth is all unique to who we are. 
Makes sense. God's personal. He's individual. He works it out. We don't grow in groups. We grow individually. Secondly, I want you to notice verse 13 there. For it's God that worketh in you. The growth that we receive in Christ must come from him. I don't know about you, but that makes me happy. It makes me happy that my part of the growth is being willing to focus on Christ and to make him my world. And once I focus in Christ and make him my world, he grows me. For it is God, it is God, notice that, which worketh in you, both to will and to do whose pleasure? His pleasure. Man, I would never have chosen. When I was a young man and God began to work on me, and started growing me and kind of, kind of indicating where he wanted me to go. I said, Lord, a plumber I'll be happy to be. An electrician, in fact, I like plumbing. An electrical work I'll be glad to do. A mechanic I'll be glad to do. But a preacher, never, never, please, whatever. I used to pray, whatever you call me to do, don't call me to be a preacher. I couldn't get away from it. I tried. I couldn't get away from this. God said, this is what you're going to be. If you want to obey me, if you want to focus on me, this is your work for me. Work out your own salvation. This is his personal moving and work in my life. I did it. It's a beautiful thing. God initiated it, salvation. He started the process. He grows us. But we must allow it, of course. And as we begin to focus on him, he comes and helps us. We don't wear Christianity. We live it. We live it within us. I like in John chapter 7, verse 38, He that believeth on me, and the Scripture saith, these are Jesus' words, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. That means out from within us. Brother, being a Christian is not having a cross tattooed uh, or a scripture tattooed on you, or wearing a cross around your neck. That is not being a Christian. Now, people would like it to be that. Wouldn't it be wonderful if I could get sanctified by running down to a tattoo parlor and say, tattoo Jesus saves on my chest, tattoo Jesus uh, is Lord on my back, tattoo down my arms, read the Bible, Tattoo John 3, 16, and that, then I can just go live like I want to live because now I've been sanctified. That's what some people believe. That's why they do that. Some people believe that wearing a little cross around your neck is going to sanctify you. Brother, God's growth in Christ is within you. It's in you. For it is God that worketh in you, both to will and to do his good pleasure. It's God that does it. And I love that because when God does it, he, buddy, he does what he does. Amen. For you people out there that have resisted his will, how to go on, how to work out for you. I can warn you something. Don't resist the will of God in your life. Do it. Young people here, you college kids here, do the will of God as he reveals it. You focus on Jesus. You read his word. You make his word a meeting with him, and he'll, he'll take care of the rest of the things. Because God does what he does, brother. The third thing we see in verse 14 there. If the first two things happen, the third thing happens. He says, do all things without murmurings and disputings. 
the process of God's growth, if it's from Him, it must produce peace. What's the opposite of murmurings and disputings? Peace. Peace. Uh, first, it must be personal. Second, it must come from God. And thirdly, it must produce peace. When God grows you, I'll guarantee you one thing, peace follows. How many will say amen to that? That's testimony of the truth of it. When God grows you, peace follows. The God of peace produces the peace of God. It makes sense. The griping and complaining spirit is gone. Is it easy to gripe and complain? Preacher preached too fast. He preached too long. He preached too short. Boy, I don't hear that a lot. He, I have I have once in a while a woman, God bless her soul. Walk out of I walk in when we're shaking hands on the outside there. She'll say, Boy, I wish you to preach longer. I said, You'd be you and me, and nobody else would be here. My wife would be in the car with the AC on. A sweet sense of peace when God's there begins to possess you. Ooh, now. Things around you will be crazy. There'll be tragedies on your right hand and tragedies on your left hand. Bad news from the doctor. Uh, financial collapse. And you can sit in the midst of that storm and have the peace of God from the God of peace. If you allow, if you'll focus on Jesus and make him what you're looking at. Look unto Jesus, the author and finisher of your, set your affection on things which are above. Use the word of God to meet with God. Make it be a personal walk, a daily walk, a moment by moment walk. He said, I will take the responsibility of growing you. Take that weight off of your shoulders. Relax. Let me grow you. And one of the benefit of that is I'm going to come and give you some peace. Stop the murmurings and disputings. Stop the finding fault. Stop the overall criticism, that spirit of the evil one. You can smell him when he comes in a room. The argumentative spirit leaves when God comes. The agnostic spirit leaves when God comes. The agitated spirit leaves when God comes. Fourthly, look at verse 15. When God grows you, it must produce holiness. That you may be blameless and harmless. The sons of God without rebuke in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation. Did it say separated away from? Now, wait a minute. Whoa, 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 whoa. Listen to me now. Shake yourself. We born again Christians believe in being separated from evil because God's holy, and that makes sense. But we're to be out, and we, whether you almost like it or not, you are out among the perverted. You're out among the crooked. But in their midst, in their midst, that's why the Amish are wrong. I grew up among Amish. They're the greatest cooks this side of heaven, but they're wrong. They have isolated themselves in pockets 
and tried to get away from the crooked and tried to get away from the perverse. But we're supposed to go, not of, we're not of the world, but we are sure enough in the world. <clears throat> we don't go to the bar with them. We don't socialize with them. I'm not talking about that. But we work with them. We rub shoulders with them. But what are we? We're lights that would shine in the midst of them and tell them there's a better way. Well, as you focus on Jesus daily, as you stay in his word, he begins to work in you his goodwill, and he begins to give you peace. And I can tell you one thing the people of the world do not have today, they don't have peace. They're worried about a meteorite coming and killing us all. They're worried about the global warming that we can do nothing about and never started. They're worried about uh, uh, Trump. I can tell you that straight up and down. You can't read anything out there. Trump this, Trump that, Trump this, impeach, impeach. You aren't going to impeach Trump. When the majority in a democracy votes somebody in, you don't impeach him. Not unless you're in a heap of trouble. They just, they just can't get over it. You know what I sense? No peace. The Bible says there is no peace, saith the Lord, to the wicked. One thing God does to the wicked is he withdraws peace. And by the way, he'll do that to you if you turn away from him. You, if you don't focus on Jesus in your life, and you know what's to be true, when you take your focus off of Christ and start to look at their stuff, you're going to get, you'll bite your nails like they bite. You'll have nervous breakdowns like they have. You, 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 you'll have a sense of, oh, what's going to happen now? He says, it'll produce peace in you, but more than that, I'm going to produce holiness. What's holiness? Simple definition of holiness, purity. Everywhere you see holiness, just to say the word pure, purity. God's pure. God's holy. Be holy from holy. Be pure from pure. Purity. The definition of purity. Oh, purity is beautiful. That's what the Bible says. The beauty of holiness simply means the beauty of purity. Christian, this morning in the sound of my voice, do you understand that? Have you lived it long enough to understand the beauty of purity over the horror of guilt? The horror of the product of sin? You got what you wanted, but you didn't want what you got. Oh, I got to have her. You got her. Now you can't get rid of her. She's making you not want to live. Oh, she looks good, but she's a hellion on the inside. And a born-again believer that focuses on Jesus and lets God do that which he wants to do within him, gets peace, and then with that peace, you get a sense of purity about you. You wake up in the morning, and you don't have anything to go apologize to anybody about. You don't have any, any you, don't, you don't have to, you can look everybody you see in the eye without going, ooh, I cheated them, or ooh. No, there's a beauty, the beauty of holiness begins to develop in your life. Woo, it's a beautiful thing. If you're sanctif- allowing God to sanctify you, 
allowing God to grow you like this passage talks about, sins begin to peel off of you like a sunburn. I say that because we're in Florida. Sins begin to peel off of you. Habits begin to die. Now, if you're going the other way, something's wrong, right? A preacher, I don't have power over sin. That's because you're not focusing on Jesus. You focus on Jesus. It is God that worketh in you that will create the peace of God, and he'll create his holiness, and he'll, he'll de-power sin in your life. Whew. You begin to get a sensitivity to purity rather than evil. Lastly, verse 16 there, holding forth the word of life. What The fifth step here in his growth process of growth that God begins to produce in you as a growing Christian a sense of evangelism. Sense of evangelism. Can I tell your story there, Mike? Okay. Mike, Mike and I ate this week, and uh, he told me that day he had a good day. I didn't know what he meant, but he just seemed like he was had a good day. I like it when people have good days. I mean, you have bad days. You have good days. So I had a good day. He, Mike, Mike uh, is, I believe he lives in Mobile Home Park, and there's a lot of widows and things there. People need help. He, Mike, he works for free, so he's real popular. Nobody complains when it's free work, amen? But anyways, uh, he helps people out, and there was this uh, old woman in a walker. He knew if he stopped, he's on his way home, he's tired. And if I don't get this quite right, it's my best version. But he was on his way. I may embellish this even. He was on his way home. He was tired. He was fatigued. You know how it is. And you see this person, you know if you stop, it's a 30-minute 30 30 conversation. There's no 10-minute conversation. Have you got people like that? There's no such thing as a 10-minute conversation. They're not even a five minute. Forget five minutes. It's a 30 minute. And so they, you avoid them, to be honest with you. When you're in a hurry and got things to do and places to go, you, you step around them. Try to, and he, he kind of bicycled past her, got a ways down the road, and, and a voice came into his head and said, go back. And right away, you begin to argue with that voice, say, no, wait a minute, I got a lot to do. I'm tired. You know, realize I'm tired. I got a lot to do. I'm tired. I got a lot to do. The voice comes back and he goes, go back. All right. Somebody looking at Jesus daily. And so old Mike goes, and old, he is old. Mike goes back. And he starts a conversation with the old girl, and the old girl's husband has a brain tumor. And she says to him, I don't think you're going to see him again. He's probably not going to be back. And old Mike, Mike's been, was a Catholic 55 years. These people were staunch Catholics. Wouldn't really let him talk. Began to tell him about Jesus and explain the gospel to him. Not long in, but down in that conversation, both of them prayed the sinner's prayer and asked Jesus to save them. When you'll set your eyes upon Jesus and you'll let God work in you, that which he only can work, he'll give you a sense of peace and he'll give you some purity of life. And then the last cherry that goes on the top of the Sunday is he'll allow you to be evangelistic. He'll give you the spirit of evangelism. Look at a verse. Holding forth the word of life. That's what you did, Mike. Just like you received it. You held forth the word of life. You didn't save those people. God saves people. 
But you tell them, Jesus saves. I don't talk well. You don't have to. The Holy Spirit talks real well. All you have to do is hold forth the word of life. I've had, I was down in the Keys one year, and every time we went to the Keys in the condo, we'd always, I'd always bring multi-language tracks. I'd bring about seven or eight languages. Because I'll be honest with you, there's Romanians down there, there's Czechoslovakians down there, there's Ukrainians down there, there's Russians down there. And they're all working, I think, I don't know, working or, 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 the, or planning to overthrow the America. I don't know what they're doing. And so I'm down there, and I always put, and, and there's one, I'm at the, you know, we're on the pier, you know the setup. We're on the pier getting our tanks and getting ready to go out lobstering, right? And this old girl, this girl that cleaned her room came by, and she spoke no English. And I say no English. I says, little to know what you're going to speak. And she was, uh, I think she was uh, Russian, if I remember right, Ukrainian or Russian. And she, she brings this, this track out. That's, uh, that's in her language. And of course, I laid it out on the counter so that the cleaning ladies would read it. And she said, I want this. She'd read it. I want this. That's all she knew. I want this. And it was broken. And of course, I couldn't communicate any more than to take her down to the bottom of the track, which was in a language that I did not know and could not read, but I had a hunch was, the sinner's prayer. And I go, she goes, yeah. And she reads it. Trust Christ as your Savior. God doesn't need me too much. He doesn't need me too much. He just needs me to be faithful to hold forth the word of life. But you know what? When you don't grow in Christ, you get hard. You get calloused. You get selfish. You get me, me, me. I got a schedule, and I got this, and I don't have time, and I don't do it. But if you let God grow you, it'll cease to be all about you, and it'll start being all about everybody else. And you'll be others, Lord, yes, others. Let this my motto be. You'll start being a bus captain. You don't know why. You didn't want to do it. But you start seeing them boys and girls come in here and trust Christ that nobody seems to care about, and you'll say, this is what it's about. This is beautiful. This is better than catching 500 lobster in one spot. We let God grow you today? Some of you, he's growing. Some of you, as you go, as you go down through, it must be personal. It must be from God. It must produce peace. It must be produce holiness. And then lastly, it must... Produce a spirit of evangelism. Will you allow God to grow you? And you'll say, Brother Bill, this is happening in my life. These are the then, then it's Bible. Philippians chapter 2, verse 12 to 16. It's there. Will you let him grow you this morning? Some of you are hearing the sound of my voice, whether it's be here or by internet. You're saying that's not me, preacher. I'm I'm struggling. Maybe you're not saving. You didn't know Christ your Savior. That'd be the first step. You can't be growing unless you're born. But you know you're not born from above and you want to be. That's all you need to have. I want to be. That's all you got to know. I want to be, preacher. You come, we're going to sing a couple verses just as I am here in a second as the girls make their way or whoever makes their way to the piano in the organ. And you're going to say, I want this. I want this. Like that woman at the motel, I want this. And all you have to have is a heart willing and God's, God's going to be all over. He'll be there.
And we'll show you with the Bible a certain way we were showing simple plan of salvation how to be saved. I want this. Or maybe you're a Christian, you've been in rebellion outside the will of God. You found that you just don't care about the loss like you used to. What's the point? You don't talk to them like you wanted, used to. You don't pass tracks out like you used to. You don't, you don't really stop. And, no. That's because you've stopped your growth in Christ by not obeying that which you already know to obey. And you can go back by the grace of God. You know, I did a lot of things that displeased my parents. But the beautiful thing about mom and dad, I knew if I went back and I humbled myself to them, they'd forgive me. If you'll go back to God and humble yourself, He will forgive you. He's there to forgive you. He's there. He's not there to kill you. He could do that, but He didn't. He died for you. He wants to save you. Why don't you come? Why don't you say, I need to get my life where, all, where I used to be. A lot of Christians talk about this. Used to do this. Used to be this. You Don't. Listen. Listen. The Christian life's today. Tomorrow's gone. Today. Are you where you want to be? Are you should be where God wants you to be? That's what this is about. Let me encourage you as a fellow believer, as a dying man, trying to see dying men be saved. Why don't you come and say yes? I'm going to focus on Jesus. You do it as we sing together. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you can contact us at gospelbaptistchurch.com for our website. Or go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church, Bonita Springs, Florida. Or call the office at 239-947-1285. Thank you. God bless.